Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. guys welcome back to becoming buffy today we are talking about the harsh light of day and i feel like season four has been really light and i won't say necessarily well it's been fun and it's dealt with some heavier themes and stuff but it's been such a a change from season three and i feel like this episode is where we start to kind of get into a little bit of the heavier topics um and i kind of missed it a little bit i'm not gonna lie i can occur I think that, like, one thing that I like about season four is that, like, season four feels very grounded in comparison to season three because season three is so supernatural um, that I like that, especially, like, the beginning part of season four, I feel like is very realistic. I mean, we've – I mean, obviously, there's always going to be supernatural elements because it's – Right, but it feels more human. Yeah, I mean, like, the last few episodes has been, like, Buffy having issues with her roommate, like, and, like, Willow having issues with her roommate, everyone trying to fit in in college, like, I feel like it's been a lot more grounded rather than, like, there's another Slayer in town and there's a mass, you know, giant, like, squid. Snake coming. Snake, (laughs) squid. Snake thing going through the, like, you know, it just, like, or, like, Buffy having, like, relationship issues and trying to figure out, like, what all that is, like, it just... It feels grounded, and I like that they're switching it up a little bit. Um, I think it's a cool, cool change of pace. I had never thought about that before until you just said that, Leah. The season is very tangible, and I think that I'll take a different perspective than Leah. I don't necessarily like that as much when everybody's going through the same similar-ish human troubles i guess like like giles is like unemployed which is weird (laughs) that's a very human thing buffy is like in the middle of boyfriends and is really going through a lot of stuff like willow is kind of like thriving but we don't really see much for magic right she's just kind of with oz right now um and then we have like anya who i feel like is not a demon anymore. She's now a human. So she's having to handle all that. So we're seeing that through her as well. And then her and Xander's relationship, especially in this episode, they're having to communicate and, um, or lack of communicating. Um, but I feel like season four definitely feels a little bit more like as if I'm watching like an early 2000s coming of age show, um, which isn't bad. I like that stuff, but I def- it definitely feels like a weird middle child of the show but it is a fun like little break in between especially people who are kind of breaking down the whole show i'm like we were talking about this before we recorded i've been so exhausted from season three that Uh i feel like these past three episodes are like a nice little breather um season four kind of sets up a lot so i feel like in between that there's gonna be episodes that are gonna feel a little bit different and gonna tackle very different things I'm excited to talk about those things, but especially this episode, I was watching it and I was like, this just doesn't feel like a Buffy episode. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just like all the stuff that people were dealing with seemed very like, like I said, human. like a, yes, very it seemed human. like a, like a little, like, like, which I like that stuff, but I don't know. It felt really weird watching. I was like, this is so weird watching Buffy like flirt and like 
start dating somebody else so soon. I will say when we talk about it, Sarah Michelle Gellar's acting, you could tell, I don't know, it felt different. When she was kissing him, it didn't feel like the same. Like, <laughs> and it's not because I'm like a Banjo fan, but like like when they're kissing, it was like – It feels illegal. It feels illegal, but it, it <laughs> didn't so feel weird. like she was like as – into I don't know like she was kissing him and I was like this doesn't feel like the same like spark yeah, like, I, know, I know I think that's why I like it though because I feel like that's so college like that's so after high school you're trying like, on new clothes and yes new but personas I also and- I like because I feel like obviously tv shows and stuff like to give you this vibe of like romance and drama and guys are this way and girls are this way and all relationships are all like this and I like that we as the viewers almost get swept up with Buffy thinking that every love interest she has is going to be this amazing guy like Angel or like, I mean, any of her past boyfriends have really been decent guys. Like, and so I think that like you kind of get swept up in like everyone that Buffy's going to like is going to like her back and it's going to be cool and it's going to be like, and I like that we're kind of tricked as the audience because Mm -hmm. I feel like Buffy's learning. She's growing up. She's learning stuff. And I like how we're learning that with her. You know, I, I think that's a really cool way to take the audience. It's uncomfortable. It's like, well, I want to see the guy be nice and love her and, you know, all this stuff. And, and they don't all the time, which is life. I think it's important to remember, and I mean, maybe this is like mild spoilers, but in the prom and in graduation day, like Angel was telling Buffy, like, I want you to be with someone who can take you into the light. I want you to be with, like, he's essentially telling her, like, go live your life. Like, and I think this season is setting us up for being the most human like season that we've had so far because Buffy is trying that out. She's like, let's try being more human-like. Like she's slaying kind of, but she's mostly just living her life because that's what the whole point of graduation and all that stuff was for. And like even breaking up with Angel, like it was so that she could live her life. And so I think it's really important to see her kind of struggling with very human things. Um, but uh, all right, so this episode, real fast, written by Jane Espenson, directed by James A. Contner, and it aired October 19th, 1999. So the title, Harsh Light of Day, is just absolutely brilliant. So it comes from the saying, the cold light of day, meaning things can be seen more clearly during the day versus at night or the revealing of reality. You're able to think about it clearly apart from the emotions you had at the time when, you, you know, whatever it is you were doing at night. Usually you feel sorry or ashamed by what happened. Um, and we were talking before about how this sets up the crossover with the Angel episode, um, Angel in the Dark, uh, which was broadcast the same evening. And you have Oz and Spike guest starring in that episode. And I won't spoil the Angel episode because we're going to be talking about it next week on Investigating Angel. But it ties in really perfectly with this episode. And I think you can kind of infer a lot just from the two titles, how Buffy's the harsh light of day and then Angel's is in the dark. And I think that, you know, I talked about how Angel broke up with Buffy so she could be in the light, and that's what she's trying to do with Parker. That's the whole premise of Buffy even getting together with Parker is she's yeah. trying to get over Angel. I'm sorry. It's, just, it's not funny, but it's like like she wakes up in the light, and, and he's not yes. there. And, and then Parker's it's like, room looks awful. <laughs> yeah, but it's, but it's also like it's the whole idea of like, okay, he wants her to be, like you said – to go out into the sunlight with somebody who can do that with her. And so trying to do that with somebody, but then also realizing that not everything is going to be as easy it was as it yeah. was in a yes. relationship. And I remember that. I remember dating somebody for the first time after my uh, big breakup I had a few years ago. And it 
it just like you really want it to go somewhere, but you don't really like the person. And you just think that it's going to work out because it's like, oh, you're dating somebody and you're just thinking it's going to be a relationship like your last relationship. And you're like, wait a minute, not everyone's going to be as great. Um, but yeah, well, and yeah. even the the grass is greener type of thing. She's like, all right, well, I'm going to break up with Angel because, like, not not that she broke up with him, but it's this idea of like, you know, it's going to be impossible. So my yeah. next human relationship should be easy, right? Because right. it's with another right. human. No, yeah. the harsh light uh-huh. of day is that relationships are just difficult because that's the nature. Or of just us because being human. Parker can quote unquote give her some of the things Angel couldn't. But Parker also can't give her intimacy. Parker can't yeah. give her like That's so really many things point. that he mm-hmm. he give her, you know, physicality, but like there's no intimate, there's no best friend, there's no soul connection, you know? Totally. I think it's interesting that, I mean, just looking at the titles, Buffy's able to move forward with her life, even though she is in the harsh light of day, she is moving forward and Angel's in the dark, meaning he cannot move forward with his life. He's stuck in the dark. So I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting, like whoever wrote the titles, well done, well done. All right. So in Sanskrit, the language of ancient India, Amara actually means deathless or immortal, which is really, really interesting because the definition or like the metaphor of this episode is kind of like searching for perfect eternal love, um, which is significant that Buffy sends it to Angel. And this episode shows these three women in particular searching for this love, searching for this connection that finding that perfect love is ultimately going to be unattainable and everybody's going to be left heartbroken. And I think that's just like really fascinating that they decided to name the gem that. And I mean, this whole episode, we're seeing the fallout of season three, like always the very beginning of each new season is dealing with the aftermath and what happened in the previous one. So we're watching Buffy still kind of dealing with Angel's leaving. And I'm glad that they had this episode to do that and that we also like, focus on Xander and Anya and um, Harmony and Spike as well, because it's just neat to see how all these characters share that commonality and it, it really humanizes and grounds all of them. Passion the Nerd says, it's refreshing to see the show take a more liberal attitude here towards sexuality as something to not be afraid of, rather something that needs to be handled with a little bit of care and honesty to be done well. Um, Joss Whedon has mentioned in various interviews that Sarah Michelle Gellar actually disagreed with Buffy sleeping with Parker. She thought that it was too soon after Angel had left her, and she didn't think that Buffy would do something like that. Whedon told Sarah that when you go to college, you do stupid things. The first year of college is about being able to do whatever the hell you want and completely losing yourself, trying on new identities and changing. I will say I think that this is the first time I've really agreed. No. Let me let me let me read. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, no, I think this is the first time that I have disagreed with Sarah Michelle Geller. Interesting, like her an opinion of hers about Buffy, because okay. usually when she says something about Buffy, I'm like she's spot on. But I think that this is completely in character for Buffy. She's getting into college. I think that Buffy is like she likes a guy, and I think for the first time she can actually sleep with him without the fear of something. I don't think that it's Buffy was so into him that it was like the same level as Angel. I think it's that Buffy was swept up in the fact that she could go to a party with this guy. She could go to class with him, that her friends yeah, could hang around point. him. like, And the fact that she could choose to sleep with him. Like, I think even the wording before they have sex, she says, I'm making a choice. 
Mm-hmm. Like she finally has her mm-hmm. freedom back to choose. Whereas before with Angel, it was like they everything was out of their hands. They they couldn't be out in the daylight. Like they couldn't have sex. They couldn't like and so she had no choice. It was like involuntary love, which sounds bad, but it's kind of what it no, was. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely part of growing up is like, oh my gosh, I have a choice now. I can sleep with someone I cannot. Mm-hmm. I can go to a party and drink or not like and I think that it was it's Buffy growing up and learning she has a voice she has a choice now and I think that's completely in character I think it's obvious that Angel still has a touch on her and a hold on her and I think that this is just Buffy trying to learn to live without him Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think this is this phrase I heard someone say and it sounds a lot more harsh than what it is but I think that there's a difference between having a broken heart and having broken ego. And I think mm. that like not that Buffy didn't necessarily care for Parker, but I was ghosted a couple years back and I remember being so like it feels humiliating. Mm-hmm. Um when I really look back on it, I really didn't like him that much. But it it's like that whole like they give you a little bit and then take away a little bit and it makes you want them more, but it's not that you actually really like them. It's the fact that you're like why couldn't they like me? Like, why didn't they like me? It's more – and then you're like – I don't know. It makes you kind of want them more. It makes you like try a lot harder. And like even Buffy at the end – but that's also what Gaslighting does at the end of the episode where Buffy's mm-hmm. talking to Willow and she's like, well, why didn't he like me after she's saying all these things that he is? It's right. like both being like humiliated that he – like you gave up a part of yourself for that person and then they like – just disregarded it so easily you kind of feel like stupid but then also being like oh but like he was really nice and like like he used to say this and then like you're like thinking wait wait we can still make it work like it's fine um and buffy goes through a lot of a different emotions in this episode but it definitely can bruise a part of yourself because you're like what the heck like why didn't they want me? And then all of a sudden you're like trying to prove yourself that they would want you, you know? Yeah, I think this episode is best taken if you recognize that Buffy's seeking connection and trying to prove that she's over Angel. I think that um, there's a quote that I'm going to read later on by Passion the Nerd where he talks about how a lot of people felt like this was out of character for Buffy, including Sarah Michelle Gellar. But he says to say that Parker, and he's like, I'm not trying to justify Parker's actions, but to say that Parker completely and totally manipulated Buffy takes away some agency on Buffy's end. And he's like, not that Buffy is culpable. It's like not saying she did anything wrong or anything, but he's saying that Buffy made a choice. And he says he thinks that actually does so much for Buffy's character. If you recognize that Buffy might have even deep down recognized that Parker like was manipulating her, but wanted to believe that he cared about her, wanted to believe that he was telling her those things because in her mind, it was helping her get over Angel and it validated her feelings and stuff, which I think is a really interesting take. I don't know that I fully agree with it, but like you want to always want to look at it as Buffy is taking agency and accepting her own decisions and choices and stuff. So- So we have Buffy seeking connection. We have Anya wrestling with her new human feelings and trying to get over them. And we have Harmony trying to keep the man she loves interested in her. And I will say one thing that I think this episode did so, so well is as hard as it is to watch at times, it's nice to see the characters and the writing embracing their college status and ages. And I also think they handled these topics in a more serious way. And I appreciate that because there's some – pretty heavy stuff that happens in this episode. And I think they could have made light of specifically Spike's abuse of Harmony and they didn't. And they instead focused on the girl's pain. And I think they did a a fairly good job of that. 
I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited to dive into Parker this episode. I will say <laughs> I love the name Parker and it sucks that they had to give him that name. I know, right? I really wanted I love to name that one name. of – Our mom's yeah. maiden name is Parker and I always thought that would be a really cool mm-hmm. boy's name. But I'm like – Parker, I Parker. I just associate him with this dude. And no, I we don't, don't have to. He's that. only in here for like two episodes. So we don't I feel we don't like it would be different that. if he was in here like for multiple episodes – but I'm like, you know what? One episode, one crappy guy. I'm like, me. The name is still good. Anyway, Parker Abrams. Um, so Four Star Mary is playing in the bronze. And they're playing their song, Dilate. Well, I guess technically it's Dingo's Ate My Baby. But Four Star Mary is the actual band that's playing. Um, and their song, Dilate. So music is hugely integral to this episode. Like mm-hmm. there is so much music. As I was watching it, I was like, wow, there's like another song. Um, and it often conveys the char- what the character is thinking and feeling way before their motivations are even revealed. And we'll talk about it further like as we go along in the episode. But the lyrics for this song that they're singing right now is super interesting. It says, when I see your face, my eyes just dilate, but I can't erase that I want to violate every bit and everything and every part of you. I've suffered enough. It's killing me. And I thought that that was interesting because we have Parker over here who like – does not have the best motivations for Buffy, but we don't know that yet. And the song is already kind of mm. cluing us into that. Dude, I just realized that we haven't been in the bronze in a while. I was about to say, yeah. I was like, it kind of feels like weird. Like they kind of feel too old for it now. Yeah, they were in the freshman when Buffy was like walking around, but it was that quick blip with between her and Xander and that's it. But they're like hanging out. I'm like, is there not like a club that like college students go to? Like, are you still going to hang out with the high schoolers? Like, this is weird. Well, I think it's like a young adult one. I don't think it's like high schoolers. No, there's definitely other people, but you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, there's probably not many high schoolers left because they probably have to go to high school in a different town due to the the high yeah, school being blown true. up. Yeah, that's true. Sunnydale was blown up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're in the bronze and Willow and Buffy are watching Dingo's Eat My Baby performing. And I will say Buffy was so sly. She's like looking at like Parker's like reflection. Mm-hmm. And then like Willow's like, oh, well, he has a reflection, which is already a good start. <laughs> well, Willow says like, you know, you spent all week with a boy. You're allowed to look at him directly, which I think is really important that we know how much time mm-hmm. they've spent mm-hmm. together because that takes this up from like, oh, they just met in the bronze and then went and hooked up for the night and Buffy really shouldn't be hurt by that. It's like, no, this guy kind of invested some time in her. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, like I just thought about like, I was like, man, this is like a long game for him to play just for one night of sleeping with her. He might as well like, <laughs> in my brain, I'm like, he might as well like sleep with her a couple more times. Like he put a lot of effort into I, it. That is true. <laughs> like, you know right. what I mean? Like he just slept there no, once totally. and was like, now nah, I'm going to blow her off. I'm like, dang, this is it much easier just to like coke up with one person have like an f buddy set up some boundaries rather than going around spelling so much energy to collect all these different women like that's exhausting well i thought about that too it's like hooking up once like i get it it's such a college thing for people to be like oh i'm just gonna hook them up yeah but i'm like man he really put in so much work mm-hmm. like just like the whole backstory like really like gave her the goods everything i'm like man like why couldn't yeah. you just be like hey i want to hook up <laughs> Literally, that's like, all you could have done. You could have just been like, "Hey, like, I'm just looking for something casual, not really." I mean, I guess it worked. His theory worked in the end. I mean, he ended up getting to sleep with her, but I'm like, 
That's exhausting. That's just though. a lot of work for everyone <laughs> to end up hating you in the end. Like, why can't you? Leah's like, I'm tired, man. <laughs> no, no, for real, I'm like, that is so much work for one night. Just one night. Yeah, like, why yeah. couldn't you just be like, hey, like, I'm gonna keep it real. I just want to have sex because there are people that would just be like, there okay. are, especially in college. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a theory that I saw, and I mean, I wrote it down later, but we're just we're just skipping right to it. But the whole idea that. Parker knew that someone like Buffy – and I mean, let's face it. Buffy probably would not have just had a one-night stand with Parker unless she right. felt that there was an emotional connection. That's just not typically who Buffy is. And I think that we're clued into that because Xander, as Buffy's metaphorical heart, feels the same way. So it's the idea that I think Parker recognizes that Buffy and probably generally the girls that he pursues typically – need to be wooed and romanced and manipulated to believe that he wants a full-on relationship with them. And that's what makes this even scummier. Well, I was about to say, I was like, I feel like from what Lee and I mentioned about just like hooking up, like I feel like that's like the natural thing, but I think it really shows more of Parker's character that he likes wooing people because I think it's It's a power trip. It's a power trip, yep. And I think it gets off on the fact that he's like – convince them to sleep with him whereas it could be way too easy going into a bar flirting with some girl and being like i just want to hook up that's all i want to do because there are people like leah said that are willing to do that and that's totally fine but like i think it's the fact that he felt like he won them over and mm-hmm. like all of his efforts or whatever were not for vain well, and it's more that's of an gross. accomplishment yeah it's, instead of like a oh you know we're just here to have sex and stuff it's like Oh no, this person wanted me so bad. They like wanted yep. to be with me, all this stuff. Like they went against their morals type of thing, which is so stupid. Well, I mean, even think about how selfish it is too. Like throughout this episode, we don't see Buffy opening up to him and talking about things going on. It's him talking about his stuff. So yeah. it's very one-sided and selfish. And so he gets the feel of intimacy because she's listening to him. And then he can go have sex after that. And then he's like, he he has someone that listens to him and he also gets his rocks off versus Buffy, who's now been both emotionally and physically violated in a way. Like that's how she's feeling at least. Well, but it's also a, a huge form of manipulation is to like really make overshare it seem like they're and connecting. really open up mm-hmm. and really make it seem like you're connecting when all you're doing is just trauma dumping on the person. Oh, he's so love bombing like, her for sure. Well, no, 100%. Like it's – it's I don't know if it's love bombing because love bombing is more of a sense of like uh, – like, overstimulating them with love so it's like buying them a lot of stuff like you know like being like oh my gosh you're the love of my life i've never met anyone like you blah 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 it's like i think it's more of just like he's just kind of trauma dumping on her so that she like feels a connection that isn't really there because she feels so close to him because she knows so much about him but they don't really actually even know each other it's so scummy. I hate I hate him. <laughs> and it's rare that you have, like, in a fandom, an, a character that, like, everyone across the board mm-hmm. can agree that they all hate. And Parker is for sure, like, towards the top of the list there. I think there's one other character that pops yeah. up in this season. Yeah. Could you imagine if I was just, like, a Parker apologist? I'm like, no. I, I'm like, guys, no, listen, he may have lied and manipulated and just kind of tried to get her into bed in a very stinky way, but, like, he was really hurt trauma. when he was younger. <laughs> yeah. I can definitely think of the three characters in the fandom. And we haven't met two of them, but three of them I can think of that everyone is like, I hate. Yeah. That's very rare. Um, so Willow's saying that like it's okay, like to kind of do the normal dating thing. Um, Parker comes up behind her, touches her shoulder. I was like, oh, I was like, this is so weird. Like he's yeah. so, so odd. 
Um, and then says like, "Oh, it's it's too dangerous outside. Let me walk you home." I can see Bubba Ugh, being like, "That oh, should have been the first red flag, right there." That would be an egg, to be honest. I'd be like, "No." Even though, even if it was really sketchy out, I think I'd still be like, "No, I'm okay." <laughs> it's so. Like, yeah, do you it, want me to walk you that's, home? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's just kind of like, "Oh, let me walk you home." Like, no one's gonna attack us if a man is there. I just love how supportive Willow and Oz are this entire time. It's just been kind of fun to watch them be so coupley. They feel like the nucleus of the friends group right now. They're just so solid, and you have like everyone else around them, kind of like not sure what their identity is, where they're going with their life, and they're like and absolutely thriving. I really appreciate how they have made Buffy feel normal. About dating somebody new. Yeah. They haven't mentioned Angel. They like she made a joke about him having a reflection, but that's more in like a positive light to Parker, not in like a mentioning Angel in their past relationship. You know what I mean? Like right, uh, right. I really appreciate how much like comfortability they give Buffy to explore a new relationship. Even if it was for mm-hmm. Parker, I appreciate what they were trying to do. Um so Parker and Buffy start walking home. Uh, and then we see Willow and Oz kind of taking out stuff to the backyard or to the backside of the bronze to put it into the van. What is Devin wearing? <laughs> oh, I thought about that. I'm like, why is he wearing a crop top? It's so weird. It's very weird. It's also weird that we're in season four and Devin is still around. Like, it's just so <laughs> funny. And the fact that he dated Now We Know Harmony and Cordelia. Yeah. Like, this dude. <laughs> Devin, what has he got going for him? I mean, he seems cool, but you know, yeah. Devin. The wardrobe for all of the girls in this episode was like, we're going to put them through trauma, so we're going to make them look extra hot. Like, I just – They really just have to ruin, like, the, the best, like, um, song in this episode from, like, a band and Buffy's outfit, all for Parker. I know, And for right? what? Such a waste. Such a waste. Such a freaking waste. Buffy looks stunning Her this outfit episode. outfit when she sleeps with Parker. I've been obsessed with Black. it for I years. I would sleep with her, too. Like, honestly, <laughs> I would <laughs> Parker. <laughs> <laughs> her hair also just had so much volume. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, and then yeah. I, I mean, Mercedes McNabb is absolutely stunning as yeah, well. Like she's they beautiful. just, and then even Anya, Anya looks so good. I love her hair color. They just her all dark is so are just cute. Eye candy man. I really like their college fits. I think a lot of people I hate on them. No, because they're they look it's great. Like, um, college is when it starts. To, the outfits start to look a little bit more 2000s instead of 90s. But I think this is the good the good little spot in the 2000s. I feel like they didn't try super hard <laughs> into – I think the early, early 2000s are really cute. But then when you start getting the 2004 to 2010 yes. – Yeah, when the layer look came in. And yeah. yes, I agree. As someone who had to live through that, ugh. Yeah, not fun. Luckily, it wasn't in high school during that time. It's <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Um, so Harmony comes up and then they're kind of having that weird small talk when you see somebody after high school, even though it was literally like four months ago for them. Their acting as if it's been so long. Which is hilarious to me because you had that moment with them, I think, in graduation day part one where they're like, let's sign each other's yearbooks and stay in, uh-huh. in contact. And then now you're like, they did not stay in contact. Yep. Um, Harmony mentions for the first time this episode that she wanted to go to France. We should put a tally mark for that. Um, and then she mentions that she has changed. She turns into a vampire. Shocker, shocker. And then just like bites Willow. Like I know, like actually what? bites her, like thoroughly like digs her teeth in. I was like surprised. But I think it's so funny because it they you know how they talk about how like, oh, your personality changes as a vampire, and then we're starting to slowly see that maybe it doesn't change as much. Like we have Harmony the exact same. Love that, that they do this. Because I think that it adds more interesting a complexity. What am I trying to say? 
Yeah, it's just, it's more interesting to watch because it's like, instead of them becoming a completely different character, it pretty, they're pretty much the same character. They just are evil. And so it's like anything that they would have wanted when they were human, they pretty much want it. It's just that you take out the, like, you just put in. What am I saying, guys? Oh my god! <laughs> it's all parallel to like how they were as a human, and so yeah, I really feel like was Harmony say. was kind of dense as a human. Yeah. So her being a vampire is not really much different. You know what I mean? She's not going to be this mastermind as a vampire. We also didn't really know Harmony very much. She was in a, a handful of episodes, and what we did see of her, she was dense. She was also incredibly cruel and biting, and so it's like yeah. all these things biting. Haha. <laughs> all these things carry over her being a vampire. She's still biting and yeah. cruel. <laughs> True. Um, Oz pops up, gets her off, and then she mentions that she has a boyfriend, and then just like jogs off. Honestly, these shots watching people run off, I'm like, what? In heels, so awkward, so funny. I Why do we have to pan over at them running away? It's so she's weird. like waddling away, like it's so <laughs> funny. Also, so this is really interesting. The whole her saying that like, oh, I have a boyfriend and stuff like that. It's in the next scene, but like Willow saying that like, oh, well, Harmony kind of just says that she'd say that she have a boyfriend and she'd be like, oh, but he's off in like another school or something. And then it turns out she doesn't actually have a boyfriend. I think is a really interesting little like insight into Harmony's character. It shows that she wants so desperately for that love and that status and that affirmation, even like now that she's a vampire, that it kind of like shows you to what extent she's going to to try and keep Spike as her boyfriend. Like we see throughout this episode that he clearly does not care for her the way that she does him. And so there's this level of Harmony being like, I, I want to keep you because she cares about him, but also like it's a status type thing. Like I have a cool boyfriend. Well, yeah. I mean, you see how she talks about Cordelia and Xander too in season three. Like she's very yeah. much driven by how people view her. Like she, as soon as right. Cordelia started dating Xander, she became the queen bee of like the friend right. group. And like that was really important to her. Or even like not dating some from high school and their high school is actually kind of smart, even if she wasn't dating somebody from another school, because it's like no one can make fun of her for it because no one knows the boyfriend. Yeah. I think that kind of gives us a little insight into her relationship with Spike even before we've yeah. even gone there. Yep. So in the alleyware streets or whatever we call this little shopping area, uh, Buffy and Parker are walking. He's doing his smooth talking, his little sensitive tone and demeanor it's like oh it's so gross once you know who he is then it's like really gross when you first yeah. watch it like i remember first watching it and being like this dude is trying so hard i was like this yeah. is like a lot you know what i mean it's very odd when you don't know what's happening yeah. but you're also like trying to be supportive for buffy you're like i'm yeah. glad you're moving on but it, it's Bing. just like somebody who opens up like this so quick to me is kind of a red flag like within a week you're telling them so much intimate stuff like it's just a little weird yeah um, he asks her about her scar on her neck, which I love that little symbolism. It's like she's still fresh mm-hmm. from her breakup with Angel. She still has that reminder. He's still on her brain, still on her mind. Um, and I love how she's like, oh, I'm going to see your scars. And he's like, mine are all psychological. Yeah, no kidding, like, dude. Oh, <laughs> get away. I think it's also just funny because Parker's absolutely the type of guy that you date when you're young. And you think he's the coolest and like so deep and so mature and like and then you break up or you like get older and all this stuff and you just think about it and you're like, he's embarrassing. Yeah. Are you like the stuff he says or does? (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, like 
you sound so stupid. It's like they <laughs> yeah. try so hard to be so cool yeah. and say all this stuff. Right. That's the type of guy that Parker is to me. It's like the type where it's like when they're talking and you're young, you fall for that stupid BS. And then you get older and you're like, oh, my gosh, shut up. Like no one cares. <laughs> Nothing is more embarrassing than watching a boy try. I'm not even going to lie. No, when they, no. Like, watching them try so to seduce well, you is so embarrassing. Well, and also just like the whole like fake personality of like being nonchalant and like, oh my gosh, I don't care about normal so society. It's like, shut up. Like, no one cares. Well, like, the sad thing is, is like Buffy's actually opening up here and he's using her emotions. And it also the stupid music that they play right here reminds me of when Willow and Xander were having their affair. It's like they intentionally make it all tender with the guitar. Stop trying to manipulate me with the music. I have yes. such a, a gripe with them trying to manipulate <laughs> my feelings in these moments. I'm like, it's not going to work. They, Like you said, they did that with Xander and Willow. Yep. In season three. I was it's like, stop with this too. music. Like, Get it away way i'm not gonna fall for it honestly from here on out if i hear that stupid guitar music i'm gonna be like ah i know what you're doing i ain't gonna fall for it again this ain't real something's gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) well then he talks about how his dad died the year beforehand i just i don't know if someone opens up like that to me something that intimate a week in that just feels weird i don't know Maybe I have trust issues, but I'm just like, you're telling me your dad died a year ago when you don't even know me? That's so weird. It's so weird. There's a, um, there's actually quite a few things that are cut from the script or, well, I guess I should say cut from the scene that are in the script. So this episode is so interesting because it's very witty. It's Jane Espenson writing these hilarious things, but it's a lot darker and deeper than what she's written in the past. Um, so in the scene, you have you know Parker asking her if she wants to go to the party and stuff, and then they cut that. But what happens next is he says, Buffy, when you drowned, whoever brought you back, they're getting a big kiss from me. And then she says, Xander will be so happy. And then it cuts to Xander saying, I'm not enjoying this. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I think of a guy who said that to me, I'd vomit. It's so schmaltzy and cheesy to the point where it's so cringe. It's just like, I think what it is, is it's like hyper lovey-dovey. Oh, yeah. So it's like, if you're, if you're, Yeah, like it's like if you're like a husband or a wife or like you've been dating for forever or whatever and you say it's like, oh, cute, whatever, you know, you guys are so in love that like, of course you'd say that. But it's like saying that when you first met them and stuff, it's just like, you're like, oh, like I don't know you like that. Yeah. This is what we mean when (laughs) guys say things thinking that women like this. And it's like the whole lovey-dovey stuff, like it literally makes me want to throw up. Like it's like even if I'm in a relationship with you, like saying kind of cheesy, crappy stuff like that, I'm like, oh, please, no. Like it's just weird. Like I don't know. It's just too much. This is what I mean by love bombing. I feel like this is him kind of being – Sure. I know it's not like full-on love bombing. There's no gifts and stuff, but I think that it can come in various different forms. I think he's just coming onto her so hard. And he like comes and touches her so possessively. Like he's just – it's like he's taking liberties without having done the work. And it's a little off-putting. And there's a difference between like subtly like – or even just fully complimenting, but being like sincere about being like, oh, like you look really beautiful rather than being like, right. I just, this night is so gorgeous and being with you is just, uh, it's just too much. It's too much. <laughs> like, I'm just like, it makes me want to just shut them up. I'm like, please stop. <laughs> like, just be natural. Just be normal. Like, just be a normal you. Like, why does it have to be so hard? 
Um, so they decide to go to the party tomorrow night with each other. Yada, yada, yada. Um, at Giles' house, Xander is with Giles organizing books. You could tell Xander is so bored. He's just trying to figure out what to do with his life. I think it's so funny that Xander and Giles have been paired together so much. In the past I love it. So it's because they're both the two that like are not sure what they're doing with their lives. They're like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Shelving books. Can I come? But I think it's also funny because we know that Giles has like just kind of a disdain for Xander. Very little and patience. So you know uh-huh. he's like, you know that Giles is like, this really is a low point for me no but yeah, i love that like, we don't know how it came about i love that right? i love that we just see them organizing and there's no idea how this even came about like how who reached out to whom like who decided to do this is it a normal thing because you can't just be organizing books without like you know them hanging out beforehand like this is such a funny idea like i me. can't see xander just like coming over to just hang out for no reason like he'd have to be like hey like do you need help with something or like giles would text him for a project that's what i mean like it's just like yeah, the idea right. that we have no idea how this came about is so exactly funny um and then anya comes in she's like you should lock your door he's oh like gosh. believe me i'm kicking myself <laughs> <laughs> And then Xander's like, oh, what? And then she doesn't even respond to him. She looks at Giles and goes, I need to talk to Xander. Go away. And Giles is like, um, this is my living room. No, the pause. I, I saw um, on the Office Ladies podcast, um, Angela Kinsey was talking about like she used to do improv. And she said that one of the tips that she was taught was that as somebody who really wants to land a joke, they always tell them that what's more important is not – necessarily the joke it's the pausing is mm-hmm. what you have to really nail the timing because it's all about like the tension you build with it as well so Ani sits there and she's like i need to talk to xander and there's a solid like four seconds and she's like go away like she's like waiting for him <laughs> to leave and i just found that so funny i was like man she really nailed that like her execution and this whole scene was just so good well and i love that giles doesn't respond to her because he's like clearly this is my house. Why are you telling me this? <laughs> it's just the tension between all three of them is so funny. Like Xander's stunned. He's very confused. Like Anya's with a mis- on a mission. Like she's not communicating very well. And then Giles is kind of like annoyed. The script says Giles just stares at Anya. She meets his gaze squarely. Anya, Xander, come with me. And then it says Giles won the staring contest. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that um, Xander says that he needed some money. It sounds like Giles hired him to help organize his stuff, mm-hmm. but I guarantee you that Giles did not contact him. That was probably Xander contacting him saying, hey, Jossie, um, I need some money. You have anything you need me to do around the house? And Giles like, oh, gosh, fine. Come organize my books. And then Giles, instead of you know having Xander do it, because well, he's paying him, is like, oh, you're not doing it right. So he's like oh, helping absolutely. Xander do it. <laughs> I will say this conversation between Xander and Anya, I was really impressed with Xander. Like he was communicating his boundaries and everything super well. And even he mentioned like her being like how they came about was because of her being a vengeance semen. But then he also said, which is half my fault and half your fault or the however way he said it. And I was like, that's so true, but also like really like good job for him to for him to be like, you know what, like that whole scenario, yeah, yeah, you were called and you made a wish or whatever. But like that was also because of me. 
you know? Right. And he's he's being really good about saying where he's at. Like she's yeah. like, you know, all right, so I can assume a standing Friday night date and our mutual recognition of prom night is our dating anniversary. And Xander's like, wait, slow down. He's like, see, these things kind of have to develop on their own. And again, like he's Buffy's metaphorical heart. So it's really interesting that him and Buffy kind of have the same viewpoint when it comes to, and we'll see it later, sex in a relationship is they want it actually to be in a relationship, not necessarily just a one night stand type thing. Yeah. Very well done. Good job, Xander. That is a half thumbs up from me. (laughs) You know, it is a crazy day in the Buffyverse when Xander comes out looking like the best guy in the episode compared to Spike and Parker. Like what <laughs> the is bar happening? is in hell at this point. If Xander is a better person than Parker and Spike in this episode, we know that something's wrong. Yeah. Or or maybe Xander is growing. Maybe Xander has changed. Like honestly, I've seen a huge improvement in him since even the Zeppo. So Could maybe be. we've turned a corner. <laughs> you know? Could be. <laughs> Toby's um, like, I ain't holding my horses. <laughs> hold my horses. Hold my, my horses. Breath. I can't talk. <laughs> I'm like, my idioms are getting all mixed up. <laughs> um, outside the dorm, we see that Parker and Buffy walked all the way to the dorm room. They're about to kiss outside the door, and then Willow and Oz come running over with Will holding her neck. They mentioned that um, a friend is back in town, and she kind of gets the clue. They go inside. Parker leaves, and she finds out. Harmony's a vampire, and she mentioned she's like, "Oh, not having a reflection has got to kill her." Which is I true. Know. How did she put on makeup? I don't know, but Harmony's suffering. I really, really hoped that Willow would use the same lingo that Xander did. He's like, "Our friends that sleep all day and have no tans." I know that was freshman. a good one. <laughs> and we find out Devin dated her, but she was too flaky. No, and for Devin, because <laughs> I remember Oz talking about how Devin's always late or something. It's well, so he funny. he was the one who kind of bailed on Cordelia in season early season two. So like the fact that he's mentioning that Harmony's flaky, Harmony must have been really flaky, right? And this is what I was trying to say earlier, very badly, but. Willow saying that like, you know, well, if you believe her, I mean, she's always lied about stuff like that. Oh, he goes to another school. You wouldn't know him. It's an interesting observation into Harmony's mindset because it could be that she wants a boyfriend so badly that she settles for someone she shouldn't be with. It's this Mm -hmm. like idea of like, I have to maintain status and stuff. Or just having an idea of somebody that's not even real. You know, like clearly like her and Spike will get into like, don't have a healthy relationship. And it's like he gives her the smallest ounce of attention, but it's only when he wants to have sex with her. So she's thinking that they're right. good, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, speaking totally. of Spike, we go and we look into a tunnel. She's walking in and then he takes off his gear and we see that it's Spike. I was shocked the first time I watched mm. this because I thought Spike was gone, gone. I didn't think he was going to come back. Dude, I was so happy that they brought him back because yeah. Spike is like one of my favorite like standalone characters. I like yeah. like Buffy is I think my favorite episode. What? Hello. <laughs> Buffy is my favorite. I don't know why I'm tripping over my words so much this episode. Same but, girl. I don't know me, um, me too. This is usually me every episode. This is kind of refreshing. I know. <laughs> Buffy is my favorite character of the show, which I feel like is insane because I feel like most of the time the main characters are not my favorites. But right. um Buffy's my favorite. But I feel like every time I watch a show, I am always captivated by Spike. Like he is just a fascinating character. It's and James Marsters. Yeah, he shakes so it up. Like, mm-hmm. And I remember um, when me and Tabby watched it, I like forgot that Spike comes back in season four. And I was like, Spike's fat. Like, I was so happy. And I really do feel like 
Spy Coming Back is a really good choice for season four. Yeah, I I agree. I hope he sticks around and is more of a uh, prominent villain and, and that this is not just a one-off. Because I let me tell you, like Faith was awesome in season three, but having him back in just Lover's Walk really kind of – it was a mm-hmm. whole new – not a whole new dynamic, but it was just a dynamic that just is very electrifying. I know. We all kind of missed like having his little – Lighthearted, but also very um, complex. Yes, we will um, talk about atmosphere. him for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we found out they're searching for something. Harmony calls him her little blondie bear. And oh I will goodness. say their dynamic is effing toxic, but every time he responds with annoyance, it is so funny. He's like, Harm, this yeah. isn't a good time. <laughs> <laughs> when she's like hanging on his arm and he's like like hurting somebody. She's just so clueless. She just is not aware. Yeah. She's not reading social cues. And she's trying so hard to be helpful, but she also like wants to do her things that she did before yeah. she was a vampire. And yeah. Um, and then she mentions she's like, Are you gonna kill like um Willow for me? And then she gives him like this little script to say, and then he's like, I'm not gonna kill Osiris BFF because I'm in hiding, as you can see. Yeah. And that would take away <laughs> The whole idea of trying to hide from people. She's like, you almost killed mm-hmm. her last year. Suddenly it's a big deal. <laughs> oh my gosh, girl. And then he like hits her up against the wall. And then of course they make it all sexual because they're vampires. And of course vampires only have to be sexual, nothing else. I'm just kidding. But she's like, ooh, right here, baby, in front of Brian. And Brian's, <laughs> Poor Brian's like, like no, no, no. He's like, can I again. please get out of here? <laughs> okay, so I do want to highlight something that is interesting and is, I I believe, semi-problematic. But we've talked a lot about how minorities are not highlighted in this show at all. And this guy over here who she is using as a snack, essentially, in the script, he's referred to as Asian Joe, which what? is kind of yes, why do they need problematic. To, like, find, but, but why do they need to find like a certain race for the person hanging up? Well, but it's also like that's how you know there aren't very many minorities on the show because you feel yeah. the need to specify when there is a minority. Right. Well, okay. So this particular actor, he apparently has been a background character for several seasons now. Um, In 1997, Joe attended Sunnydale High's career fair. He is one of the few extras along with Buffy that was tested for law enforcement. Oh. Uh, He's one of the uh, the students that ran away when the assassin drew her gun to shoot Buffy. And then in 1999, Buffy actually hears Joe's thoughts as she passes by him in the hallway. He's the one that imagines his classmates would see who was the loser when he becomes a sophomore jillionaire and his classmates were working flipping burgers. He's the nerd speaking in the halls. Um, So he's been like shown. So I think they put – I mean, it's just, it, I mean, not saying it's good, but they wrote Asian Joe in the scripts to be like, we want this specific guy for this scene right here. But it's just, it's a huge problem. There's not enough minorities in the show. And the fact that when we do see them, they're either killed off or they're used as blood bags and stuff like, it's just, it's, it's unfortunate. That is very frustrating. Um, so Spike agrees to go to the party tonight and then we hop over to the party that night. Um, <laughs> they just really skip right to it. So Parker and Buffy kind of walk in. They're just doing some small chit chat. And then they run into Spike and Harmony. Just like holding up this poor dude. I was like, The audacity oh. in the middle of the party. Just shows. I mean, honestly, get like they can get away with it as long as they kind of cover up like the bite wound. Because even like Parker he was like. Pretty- he looked out of it though. But you, they could play it off as like, oh, he got really sick from his alcohol. Which is what Parker thought he was. 
So I want to talk for a moment about the music in this scene. So the singer is Biff Naked. She performs three different songs in this, like there's just a scene. She performs Moment of Weakness, Anything, and Lucky. And I won't read all the lyrics for you and stuff, but they're once again, really, really fascinating. So the lyrics for Moment of Weakness that happens right when they're coming into this scene is, I stand here in the pouring rain. You couldn't even be there to pick me up. You're taking me for granted again. You're running out of time and you're out of lunk. Just a moment of weakness. I should examine my head. Just a moment of weakness. I never meant a word I said. I'm sick with the Beijing flu and you choose not to come home. A week later, I caught you kissing a girl who was my clone. And then uh, the song Lucky is kind of talking about a first time love and having some regrets. We have like Buffy thinking about Angel through all of this, but then it's also kind of a warning for Parker, but it's also a commentary on Harmony and Spike as well. Um, so Music, Sound, and Silence talks about this particular scene. And before we get into it, there's when you're in media and in film, there's this thing called diegetic versus non-diegetic sound. And the simplest way to explain it is diegetic sound is any sound that's occurring in the world. So music, the characters hear, dialogue, cars honking, etc. That's diegetic sound. Non-diegetic sound is what you would hear, like say, in like those early 2000s dress montages where you have music playing as they're trying on different outfits. That's music that we can hear, but the characters are not actually experiencing in the episode. So in Buffy, the reoccurring motif of silence can be seen in four main modes as representing the protagonist's fears along a continuum of unease. From small niggling doubts to full-blown anxiety, none of these modes is used exclusively, of course, but they are frequently combined or juxtaposed within an episode. However, when some modes are particularly dominant and extended in a sequence, they lend a particular emotional feel to the episode. I'm only going to talk about the second mode right now, and we'll go into the other ones when they come up. But the second mode in which the motif of silence is used is what might be called wordless silence. That is when all the dialogue is removed from the scene, replaced by diegetic and non-diegetic sounds. So this is just one of the myriad of ways in which musical cues such as Nerf Herders, overall Buffy's signature tune, Christoph Beck's theme for the Buffy and Angel relationship, or his score for the supernatural atmosphere and Hush deliberately create specific emotive qualities in the series. What begins as a diegetic performance shifts to a non-diegetic function as the music and lyrics continue to play in the non-diegetic background of the scene when the character moves outside of the nightclub space, as in Harsh Light of Day, when the music of Biff naked is used in this way. In some cases, the use of music moving from diegetic to non-diegetic can be seen as acting as a meta-diegetic soliloquy, which sounds super wordy. It could be argued that apart from its emotive quality, the music could be interpreted as being replayed in the character's head. So a super wordy, I know. But I think that's so important because once again, like this happens so frequently in this episode. Like there are so many songs playing as Buffy and the characters are going along and we're often shown through the lyrics and melodies, the emotional state of the character themselves. And I think that it's able to convey it even more explicitly than if they were to actually say it. So like, for instance, we have Buffy who's wrestling with all this stuff with Angel. And like we can we definitely get a hint of that because of the bite on her neck, the use of the mirror and all this other stuff. But if we listen to the lyrics that are going on in the background and stuff, it kind of gives us a little bit of a insight into Buffy's emotional state, but also into what she's thinking. So um Spike tells Buffy that he likes Parker. He has a sense of he says vulnerability, 
What do you think he means by that? I think spicy through the BS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I, I feel like is known about Spike's character, and we saw it a bit in like season two and three, is Spike really sees through characters' BSs. And I think that that's because Spike himself is a bit of an eccentric person. And so I think that he recognizes those traits in other people. Um, I mean, we even saw that in the episode where he comes back with Angel and Buffy and how he's like, you guys aren't friends. Like, you're fooling yourselves. Um, So I think that – and I love that they do that with this character because it makes so much sense. Um, And so I think that it's interesting because I think that Spike sees something that Buffy does not. I think you could also take it as Spike's like, oh, he's human. I can eat him too. Like he's telling Buffy, I can take away the thing that you care about now because I couldn't touch Angel, but I can touch this guy. So I think there's also that level of – like it's it's totally – a not a double entendre, but it's definitely – it means two things right here. And then Buffy's like, what's the matter, Spike? Did Drew dump you again? And then he's like, oh, no, what if I dumped her? <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, oh, you're with Harmony. Lose a bet. And Parker's like sitting there like, what is happening? Like they're just going back and forth. <laughs> I know. Fire Parker. I mean, it's this This is the moment where you know that he just wants Buffy for sex because if you oh, he actually want a relationship with her, yeah. he'd be like, why are you chasing after this guy? Why are oh, you – you know totally. what I mean? Like it's just yep. – Yeah. Yeah, well, they, like, drop the poor dude, hop over, like, all of these other college students run outside. Buffy's like, oh, real quick. She runs out <laughs> so there. weird. And then Harmony lets slip that they are looking for the gem of Amara. It's really interesting to notice the correlation, the parallels between um, Buffy's revelations about Parker and then what's happening with Spike as well. Because as time is, goes on throughout the, the episode – she finds out that Parker – or, like, realizes that Parker has, like, dump-dumped her at the same moment that she discovers Spike with the gem of Amara. So it's interesting how they kind of just, like, parallel those two separate things, like the demon and then, like, what's all happening with the Parker demon over here. Mm, very astute. Back in the basement, Xander's putting up a disco ball. Interesting. Is he having parties in his room? <laughs> home sweet home, man. <laughs> he's really trying to spruce it up because he's probably so depressed. Poor dude. I mean, I feel like Xander is really struggling to find totally. his niche and his identity. And so I feel like a disco ball in a basement just really screams, I don't know who I am right now. <laughs> well, and then Anya comes in and then she's like, hey, your mom sent me in here. Uh, she mentioned something about a fabric softener. Um, he turns around, she drops her dress, and it's like that iconic look in the title sequence where he's like squeezing the juice. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yep. good. Um, back at the party, Buffy calls Giles, tells him what happened and about the gem. You know Giles is like, finally, work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a um a part that was cut out from the scene that was in the script, and it's so funny. Buffy says, Yeah, Spike with Harmony, if you can believe it. I mean, I thought Spike and Drew were a forever kind of deal, didn't you? Where's the commitment? And then Giles goes, I'm disillusioned. I shall never love again. <laughs> oh, I wish they kept that in. That's funny. Yep. Um, back in Spike's room, Harmony asks if she can make Antonio Vendera's a vampire. And he's like, he's not even listening. You could tell he's just be like, no, no. <laughs> he's like, actually, you know what? You go ahead and do the harmony. You go and search for Antonio and you make him a vampire. Do Melanie and the kids as well. Because um, Antonio was in a – I think it was interview with a vampire. And uh, like, so that's why she's thinking oh, about it. Oh, gotcha. That's funny. 
Yeah. Although I got to say, Harmony is asking all the right questions. She's like, if my heart's not beating, why do I need these veins? I know she kind of has like a lot of points here. (laughs) It's very like a meta. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Harmony's so stupid after all. Like we want to know these answers too. She's like, hmm, now that I think about it, why is it that you can pick up a cross with just a cloth and still not burn you? Can you please answer this burning question we've all had since season two? How exactly were you able to choke out Drusilla? We'd like to know. I know. How did she pass out if she has no breath? That is the question. That is the question, man. Oh, do vampires not have morning breath then? I mean, or do they constantly smell like death? (laughs) They do when the situation calls for it. Um, back in the basement, Xander is still very stunned. And then Anya's like, you know what? I figured out. The reason why I haven't gotten over you is because we haven't had sex. And she's like, it's pretty ludicrous that we have these interlocking bodies and they haven't interlocked. Everyone's like getting it on this episode. We can talk about sex now. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Well, and then like Xander, Xander's very sweet. He's like, you know, like I'm becoming more of a girl to say this, but it's about expressing something and knowing consequences. And I was like, you know what? Wow, Xander. Good for you. Some time alone has really helped you become a little bit more emotionally mature. I think it's unrealistic how quickly you matured, but you know what? (laughs) It's okay. I think Xander's been through some things, and I do also think that we've known that he's desired emotional intimacy from the start. That's something that he's been incredibly consistent with. He's the one that wanted him and Cordy to be in a relationship and not just make it out in a closet. You know, He thought that him and Faith having sex meant that they had a connection. Um, so I don't know that this is a huge jump and leap for his character, you know? But I think it's really important that they were able to kind of get on a level of communicating before they had sex because you can definitely tell that that's what Xander really wants. And even though they haven't really poured their heart out to each other, the fact that like Anya, the girl, is really expressing how much she likes him and really wants to like go that distance with him is – really important for Xander's character because you can tell that he really desires that. Totally. He says, and the amazing thing is still more romantic than Faith. I think anything is more romantic than Faith. (laughs) Poor Xander. And I don't think this gets talked enough about. Xander's first romantic experience was not that much better than Buffy's. I mean, well, okay, that might be overstating it a bit. Obviously, Angelus was awful, but they're both I will say traumatizing that, just for very yeah. different reasons. Like, and he also had a terrible experience because she like was assaulting him after. Yeah, yeah, totally right. Yeah, I was meaning more like the first time, but then like that the the follow up like, is yeah. definitely worse on Buffy's account. But yes, right. But I think I even talked about how there was a lot of similarities between like that second moment where Faith tries to assault Xander and he's trying to like talk to her. It's very similar to kind of like Buffy's moment in Innocence when she's talking to Angelus too, you know? So I think that there is a case to be made that Xander's had some pretty traumatic experiences. I agree. And I think like you could tell that he's healing from a lot of it because he's been forced to be on his own rather than having all this action-packed stuff that's forcing him to not think about it. I really do think he's done a lot of silent healing. Um, Back at the party – Buffy comes back in and says Spike is an old friend. He's not supposed to drink, which I feel like is a pretty good cover story because her running after him is like, she'd have to even pick say something. to that. Yeah. Right. Parker asks if they used to go out, which is like the way that he's like trying Why? so hard as if he's like jealous. I'm like, boy. See, it's things like that that I'm like, yeah. dude was totally indicating he wanted more than just a one night stand. Totally. Absolutely. But also hanging out an entire week beforehand, like doing everything together, like Willow said, like, he, 
Like that would give anyone an indication. 1000% he was leading her on. Like, yes. I don't think there's yeah. any way to spin this. Like he was absolutely trying to make it seem like he wanted more than a hookup with her. And he knew what he was yeah. doing. But it's like, it's like that whole, I can do as much to get her um, wrapped up without actually saying something that's going to um, incriminalize me. Which is just yeah. so sneaky. Like anything he says yeah. and does, he could easily spin. Because it's also, yes. you know what I just realized as I'm saying this? Hammond opening up to her is actually smart because if she opens up to him, it's she could say, but I opened up and I said this and I said that. It's like it's all yeah. on his terms. It's so dirty. It is. Um, and so they dance. Buffy sure is literally one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I also Gorgeous. hate that they use like the best song. <laughs> And they're like yeah. montage of sleeping together because it's like such a bop. Well, this conversation that they have right before on the couch and stuff, it's I thought it was really interesting that Parker says that he's a history major. <laughs> Cause there's history again. Like we yeah. know that Buffy hates it, but also who was her first history tutor was Angel. Like, I mean, not really, but that's what she used for Joyce. But I think that this speech of Parker's is easy to overlook because we hate him and he's clearly trying to manipulate Buffy. But once again, the writers are using their villain to say something about the characters. And Joss is huge on choice. And I like they do kind of the same thing that they did with the mayor. Um, and while it's like really hard to listen to, like Parker actually has like some valid points. It just screams trauma to me. That's what it screams. He's like, I'm just trying to live right now. I'm like, uh, we all know you are, but like maybe not for the purpose of thinking of other people, you're definitely acting very selfishly. Like if your dad yeah. died a year ago and you're using that to taunt people, you have some issues you need to work through. Yeah. Maybe go to therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Buffy wakes up flashback in red sheets, just like her and Angel's alone again. The script is really interesting because it says, like it talks about the beginning. It says a single room, Buffy and Parker sit on his bed and kiss. He starts to unbutton his shirt she stops him. She unbuttons his shirt for him. He Ooh. smiles and reaches for her. Yes. This That's is important because later on when they have their final confrontation, he – I don't think this is said in the episode, but it's said in the script. He says, you were all over me. <gasps> and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, but it also shows yeah. the difference is he oh, wanted to have sex. She wanted to – Have her do like, work. No, not just that, but it's like she desired intimacy, whereas he desired sex. I know. It's so it's so gross. It, like reading the script just makes it so much worse. So Buffy wakes up alone. Poor girl. You can see like the trauma sinking in. She's like, holy crap, where is he? Like she stands yeah. up, tries to get her close. He comes in with coffee. So we're all thinking like, oh, thank God he's not a douchebag. Yeah. He's you know? here. Yeah. But then like, you know, there's dirty clothes piled in the corner, beer cans. Like his room is really gross. Yeah. Um, and then she's all like, oh, like, what are you doing later today? And he's like, oh, my mom's coming to visit, which I feel like is a good excuse to kind of get her to be scarce because it's like, we don't want to meet the parents. still maybe. in mourning. We're going to go to my dead father's graveside and put flowers. Like, I feel like he's yeah. milking this dead dad totally. thing for all it's worth. Yep. She's like, okay, well, then I'm going to make myself scarce. And then he said he'll call. Mm, As we know familiar. from Angelus, they don't yeah. call. Back in the basement, um, Anya and Xander are waking up from their night of fun. Um, and then Anya goes, okay, well, I'm over you now. And he's like, um, 
okay. And she gets so mad at him and storms off. The, well, the script says Anya jumps on that. She'd rather feel anger than deal with more confusing new emotions. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people that like I've read their comments like on Reddit and other things like that. So many people blame Xander in this episode and say that Xander did not treat Anya well. And what? I honestly do not understand that because I feel like – This is a very Xander- confusing situation. It is a very confusing situation. I feel like Xander was pretty honest with where he was at. It's Anya that wanted sex. I mean, I'm not going to say Xander didn't want it, but I don't know. Anya is the one that's initiating most of this stuff, and Xander is being very obvious with where he's at, and they even agreed, we're just going to have sex that one time, and cool, it'll get it out mm-hmm. of your system, and that'll be it. Like Anya's not dealing with her emotions here, and I don't think Xander's being a jerk about it at all. She was making all the moves. So I don't understand what everyone's gripe with it is. Listen, I feel like we would be very honest if Xander was doing something. But it's like in this episode, I'm literally like, no, he's respectful. We're equally a pro Buffy and also an anti Xander podcast. So like we'd be the first people (laughs) to admit something Xander did. We're not we're not anti Xander. We're anti-toxic Xander. Yeah. Okay. Just clarifying. Most of what Xander is. Yes. Does he redeem himself a little bit? Sure. Is it to the par of how crappy it was for seasons? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. For this instance, he is fine. Harmony writing Spike loves oh, Harmony gosh, on his back. <laughs> She's like, you love that Tamil more than me. He's like, I love syphilis more than you. Oh, that has got to be one of the harshest things I've heard on the show yet. I think it's so important to remember that Harmony is young here. She's the same age as Buffy and is being taken advantage of by Spike. And I think this is paralleled by Anya who is older but relatively young to being a human. And like they're all three girls are being portrayed as very naive. But also like I think that we forget that Anya is the oldest and she's also dating somebody really young too. But like there's a difference between like her vulnerability with Xander and then like Spike and Harmony. You know, right? Because I've I've seen a lot of people be like, we all know the arguments with like Angel and Buffy and yada yada yada. We've already gone through that right. many many a times in the first yeah, two seasons. We don't need to be hashing. No, them. but I'm saying that I think people forget that Anya and Xander are incredibly yeah. young as well, and Anya is thousands of years years old, and right. like Angel's only two hundred and something. Like, I think that people forget that. You know, he may have yep. just graduated, but they also went to prom together and they liked each other during that time, you know. Um, he's also freshly 18. That's not much different, like emotionally wise. Yep. He's still very young as well. But I think the difference is like same thing with Angel is like they're meeting their partner halfway emotionally, you know. It's right. not like this like power dynamic that Parker is doing, even though he's the same age as Buffy. Um, Buffy comes back into her dorm and Giles is like, him. <laughs> she's like untying her shirt. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, you know what? Um, I was at the library all night. And then she like stops. She's like, you know what? I'm an adult and it's not your business where I was. And he's like, and I'm sincerely relieved to hear it. He knows. He knows. Also, why didn't she just say she was out patrolling? Everyone would have believed her. Like, oh, man, it was a rough night. I was just out, like, trying to hunt down Spike. But instead, she's like, I'm at the library. It's, like, true on a Saturday. I just really? love the running, like, gag or whatever. The Buffy's just a horrible liar. I think I, yeah, I, I just true. love that about her character because it's, like, she's so sincere that she's, like, you know what? I'm not even in trying. 
Yep. Giles says that they found the gem. The gem is in Sunnydale. Uh, obviously, <laughs> everything's mm-hmm. in Sunnydale. One of these days, I want a plot line where it's like, oh my they gosh, to travel it's, somewhere. It's, yeah, it's in yeah. Europe. It's in like somewhere like where you would actually need to have like a plane ticket and stuff. That would just be so inconvenient and funny. <laughs> like, could you imagine Giles up being, like, oh my gosh, I have to go all the way to like New Zealand just to get like you know some stupid thing. New Zealand, New Zealand, whatever. yeah. <laughs> hey, if it's in Europe, that's when you call the Watchers Council and say, "Hey, you this take is care your of job it. now." Yep. Yeah, because yeah. they're so helpful, just like they have been in the past. Call Wesley and be like, "Hey, what you doing? We have a job for you." He'd be like, "Really? Let me call Quentin." <laughs> yeah, you want you want me back in your good graces? Yeah. Um. So this is the part that Sarah you mentioned earlier. Back in the tunnel, um, Spike and Harmony walk in with the boys. They start to get into an argument, and they all go, "Oh, oh man!" And they walk out. <laughs> they are so over this they're like every day we have to listen to you guys <laughs> yeah well she gets she complains that they're still not leaving that she can't even leave the tunnel anymore um he calls her stupid and that she needs to listen and then she starts crying and says i don't know why i let you be oh, so mean to me that broke my heart mercedes mm-hmm. McDab does such a great job of portraying this vulnerability of harmony and I think it's something that we haven't really seen in a, a vampire. vampire that mm-hmm. much since since season two Spike. We felt really right. bad for Spike when everything was going on with Angelus and Drusilla. And so it's really kind of weird to see him – I won't say weird, but it's just interesting to see him in that role that he kind of – like, or I guess Harmony in that role that Spike was in season two. Well, I think he's one of those people that's either obsessed with you or could not care about you literally at all. Totally. Because he even says, like, love hurts. Like, that's yeah. definitely his mantra. Like, he definitely believes that. But that's so gaslighty because it's like, no, like, it shouldn't hurt like this. You know what I mean? Like, it's just oh, it's totally. toxic. I'm just saying that, like, even, like, I love Drusilla and I love their dynamic because they're both, like, blood-sucking demons. Like, he definitely was, like, trying way more hard for her intimacy, emotional intimacy. Yeah. But I definitely do think that Drew really did love him. Drew was just fickle. Yeah. Well, I think ultimately we've always talked about how vampires are selfish. And I think it's pretty easy to move on when you're being selfish. So then we have a montage of Buffy walking around asking people if they know who Harmony is with her yearbook. <laughs> and then later on the day, Parker still hasn't called. Ugh. Here we go again. Then in the tunnel, Spike finally makes it his way into like this like magical room somewhere what Sunnydale. Is what is this? <laughs> yeah. How many crypts are there? My goodness. This one reminds me of like um Indiana Jones 3. There's like skeletons yes, it totally and, like, does. and like gems everywhere. And then of course Harmony. Ooh, pretty. You know what that's so funny about the show? Is like people will pop up like within a second for like a viewer's surprise. But I'm like, there's no way that she would have crawled all the way up there without Spike hearing her like like grunt and be like, ah, you know, like climbing all the way up. Or maybe she did and Spike is just like tunnel vision. He's found the crypt, you know? It's like anytime people popped up in the library and you're like, guys, the double doors are right there. You'd have to hear them walking all the way over to <laughs> you. You could also see them through the glass. It's like, come on. Right. Spike puts on the necklace that he thinks is the gem. Um, and then in the middle of Harmony going on and on and on, he has had it. He has made a makeshift weapon for his staking and then stakes her. I he's like, can't even kill part. you. Because he's like so ready and fully prepared to kill her. He's like, I've had it. 
Like, that was so funny. And then she's like, oh, shit. Her, like, surprise and anger is, like, nowhere near the anger that would be. She's, like, slapping him, but in, like, a playful way. I can't way. believe you did that. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. dude, I'd be like, we're done. We're done. And I'm taking your Literally. stupid ring with me. <laughs> yeah, I'd keep it. I'd be like, you're going to try and kill me. Yeah, if he's trying to kill you, go out into the sunlight. Can't follow you, man. True. Mark Field makes a really interesting observation about the gem and Harmony, and he says that Harmony didn't understand what the gem might be, so she didn't even know what to look for. Because she didn't recognize the grail, she gave it up to someone who didn't deserve it. In contrast, Spike has had the real thing in Drusilla, and now he's unsatisfied with anything less. Mm -hmm. Which is just really interesting how Harmony's never really known what a real relationship and true love is supposed to look like. So she's settling for this relationship with Spike, thinking that it's something that's real, and it's not. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Back at Giles's house, we see that Oz is looking through all of his records. He's like impressed. He's like, whoa. And then Sander finds that Giles has a TV and everyone's like responses to it are so funny. He's like, he's shallow <laughs> like us. And Oz is like, I got to admit, I'm a little disappointed. And Giles is like, so like, uh, like, uh, uh, guys, I'm, I'm still Giles. It's okay. Which is so funny because it's literally a TV. It's like, who in the 2000s doesn't own a TV if you have a house? Well, I was like, well, well, maybe it's art. <laughs> She's trying to justify it. She's like, no, Giles isn't shallow. He's anything but. <laughs> I think it's funny. They, I think Tony Head has his earring in in this episode. Oh, really? And I wonder if they're trying to show how laid back Giles is becoming or if like he's just like testing out new ideas or he's reliving his glory days because he has nothing else to look forward to or he doesn't have a school dress code anymore Uh, true or we're watching his ripper side and his giles side merge all because of a tv and an earring (laughs) oh oh that's what it part of the world does to you man (laughs) (laughs) oh man and these storylines where everything just falls into place at the perfect timing are just you know so convenient. They turn on the news and it's, of course, they're covering the tunnel in the middle of Sunnydale. Oh, my god! And they're gosh. like, ah, this is where Spike is. Definitely. <laughs> um. So, oh, this... This scene is awful. Mm. This is this makes me so mad. It's too realistic. I, like, watch it and I'm like, mm. But it's also just, like, him being like, oh, like, I'm getting the idea that you didn't pick up what I was putting down. And she's like, Well, the um, stupid part is that... He somehow gets Buffy to apologize to Uh him for absolutely nothing that Uh she's done. Like, it's just – and then the whole, like, the echoes back into the whole innocence conversation. Parker, did I – the whole was I not good thing? And then him being like – Oh, um, sorry to rush you just late for class. And she's like, did I do something wrong? And he's like, something wrong? No, of course not. It was fun. Didn't you have fun? And then watch out how you answer my ego's fragile. Oh, like, that so- phrase is triggering. And then she said, you had fun. Is that all it was? Like, it's just so reminiscent to her being like, Angel, I love you. And he's like, you know, you did good, kiddo. Well, and then just like him being like, look, I'm sorry you misunderstood something. I thought things were pretty clear. Like, what did you say was clear, Parker? What did you say? He knows. He knows it wasn't clear. He knows he let her on. This part is the part I was talking about earlier that's not in the script or not in the scene. It's in the script. It says, okay, I'm a little confused now. I mean, I definitely got the idea you'd done it before. Oh. You were one. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. They, oh on, they should have put this in, to be honest. If they're going to go villain, go bad. full villain with him. Yeah. He says, you were one who was all over me. It was fun. What else was it supposed to be? I feel like in order to pull this off, you kind of have to make them feel like they're the sluts. You know what I mean? Like you really have to go full into that. 
And it says Buffy shrugs, too embarrassed to say that she thought he was falling in love with her. Oh. It's just like you have Parker slut shaming her, essentially, saying, oh, well, I got the idea you'd done it before. Mm-hmm. And then you have Angela slut shaming her. Yep, giving it up too fast. And then Parker being like, you're a slut. Well, even if she had done it before, he still treated her terribly. Like, even if Buffy oh, yeah. hooked up all the time, his treatment of her was still not okay because he didn't treat it like a hookup. He treated it yeah. like a relationship prior and wasn't honest about it. And then afterwards, like, makes her feel stupid for being attached. Well, I was about to say, I think what makes him more hurtful, too, is the fact that after he leaves, she runs up to go to try to fix it again. It's just stupid. I have a hard time when people are like, well, technically, like, Parker didn't lie. He was honest the entire time. When clearly he lied to Buffy about calling her, he had no intention to call her. He gaslights the crap out of her the entire time. They hung out all week. You but also, just because someone just because someone doesn't necessarily lie to you doesn't mean that they were being honest. Like, yeah. he may not have told her, like, oh, we're going to be in a relationship. We're going to do all this stuff. But, like, his actions, the way he talked to her, what he did, like, gave her a different impression than what he was planning on doing. That's dishonest. Uh-huh. But also, people yeah. aren't stupid. Like, when you're an adult and you start dating people, you kind of cue in when people are really into you. It's like like if yeah. you're confused in a relationship, the person probably doesn't like you that much. But if it's like you're feeling this chemistry and you're feeling like they're not, he's not stupid that she really likes him. It's like a decent person would be – if he's not feeling it, would be open and honest about where they're at or even just put like boundaries on the relationship when it's this early on. But the fact that he was opening up so quick, the fact that he was like hanging out with her every day, the fact that he walked her home, like – brought her coffee after they uh, spent the night together. Like there's so many things that are relationship like it's, it's not like, he's not stupid. These are all things that you can kind of easily like dispute because they're not very like, um, it's not like he was like, I want a relationship with you. It's not like he said those infinitives, but it's like, these are normal things that people look at and body language and what people do to kind of indicate that they want something more. Like that's BS. Yeah. Like just because he didn't like outright lie yep. doesn't mean that he wasn't creating falsehoods with uh-huh. other things that he's doing. Absolutely. Also, they did just a really good job of laying down the foundation of this because, I mean, in the last episode, Living Conditions, you have him coming to her dorm, bringing mm-hmm. her like the little um, baggies for her meals and stuff. So they really showed that he was playing the long game. We all thought, and that's the beauty of it, we all thought that he was interested in Buffy just as much as Buffy thought it as well. They set it up to look that way. And then, of course, this is the moment that Spike reveals himself. And we have like, you know, and I think I love the parallels of Evil is revealing itself in the harsh light of day, like Spike's Nahir at the same time that Parker reveals himself for who he really is. Uh, back at the dorm, Xander tries knocking out Buffy's um, door and she's not there. Anya shows up, which I don't even know how she'd even know where Buffy's dorm Anya's was. Anya's just got like a tracker on Xander. <laughs> she snips him yeah, out with like totally her would. demon like uh, uh, powers that are still residual. Yeah, and I don't think this moment is Xander being unkind to – Anya, like he's like, we've got to help Buffy. He's tunnel visioned, yeah. Anya, you weren't in your musty basement. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't even want to repeat the things that Spike says to Buffy because it's just, it's just really vile and yeah, he's very, he's taunting her and bringing up stuff that Angela said to him and 
maybe not on confidence because I don't think he really cares. But like all the stuff that Angela said as Angelus, not Angel, he's definitely poking at old wounds. He goes a little too far though because yeah. as soon as he brings up Angel, that's the moment that she's like, all right, that's it. I mean, use that trauma, girl. Kick his butt. Yeah, right. I will say this fight sequence would be amazing if it weren't for the fact that they can't really hide the stunt doubles, but they also just say, it didn't yeah. seem like they were trying to hide the stunt doubles. Like there's full on shots where you can see that it's not Buffy and Spike. I it's think just it works weird. when it's dark because all of season three's yeah. fights are in the dark. And so you can kind of hide yeah. that. But like, I don't know. I just like this fight, the choreography is really good, but I never really feel attached to this fight. It pulls only me because out it's of it. like it yeah. pulls me out not only because of the stunt doubles, but the whole time I'm thinking like, how are people not witnessing this? How is no one around? Yeah. How is no one seeing this? How is no one calling security? Like, I don't know. The fact that it's out in daylight too in a broad setting is just kind of like meh to me. I, I vibe with yeah. like the dark at night graveyard fights. I think those are just so fun. And I understand like like Spike has his like ring and everything. It's just kind of like, oh, Xander comes, Spike throws Xander all the way into a pole. Ouch. I don't know how he is just not have like some head trauma after that. Oh gosh, yeah. And then as they're fighting, he keeps bringing up Parker and Angel and taunts her again. And then she eventually grabs his ring, pulls it off. I wish that there was like some mystical reason, kind of like in Vampire Diaries, you know how like um, Catherine cuts off the fingers of someone who has like a ring that like can have them walk into the light as well. And so she can take off the ring because I think there's like a rule that like people can't just pull it off. So she cuts off his fingers. Like I wish there was something like that because it's just too easy. Like she just like pulls off the ring. But I think that's the thing is that it's supposed to not be permanent. Like, it's supposed to be something that, like, yeah, protects them, but it's not a solution. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it served the purpose that it was supposed to. I mean, honestly, they really underplay the power of this ring, like, especially, like, her sending it to Angel and everything. I'm like, this is huge if a vampire gets a hold of this, you know? Honestly, I thought about it, and I was like, obviously, I want Angel to have it, but I think that would be – I just don't think that's a wise decision because if he doesn't get his – if he gets his soul taken away again, like he has free reign and Angelus is like super evil and we all know what he can do. So I was just like, oh, this is the, like everyone's just kind of like, okay. I'd be like, can we think about this for a second? Like yeah, Angelus right, right. is like pretty, pretty evil. I just love that Willow's – like Xander's like completely clueless and he's like, what's going on? What's in LA? And Willow's like, she's giving it to Angel. Don't make a fuss. Like, yeah. this is what she's chosen. And like, I love that Xander supportive. just, like, bit his tongue. He was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Yes. But I mean, like, the whole idea of Amara meaning, like, eternity and all that stuff, it's just, at the end of the day, like, Buffy's not over Angel. I mean, why would she be? But it's just another Well, but also, I think that. it's just the thing. It's like, any chance she has to protect Angel, she will. But there's also this kind of, like, subtle thing of, like, is she thinking – hey, if you get this ring, maybe you'll come back because that's like another thing that we can do that would make our lives more normal. Like there's a whole like layer there that I'm like wondering what exactly is her reasoning for giving this this ring to him, you know? Um, Oz mentions that he has a gig in LA. He'll drop it off. And then our last scene, I feel like we've all, maybe not all, I've definitely had this. We've all um, been there. No. Now, I think a lot of people have though. Like it's like the – like yeah. I said, it's like a bruised ego. It's like this whole like, why didn't he want me, you know? Um, and that sounds like a harsh saying, but that's generally what it is. It's like she didn't have enough time to be fully in love with him. Like it's like you feel you feel like you're rejected. 
which is true. And so it's like part of you feels like hurt by it, but it's also like you feel humiliated at the same time. Um, It's a very, it's a huge mixed bag of emotions. And I do really feel for Buffy and it's hard because it's like she sits there and she says, is this how it's going to happen? You sleep with the guy and he goes all evil. I'm such a fool. Well, it's just hard because this is something that's happened more than once now. So she's going, oh, it's got to be me. And we're just seeing like right. all of the guilt that Buffy felt and innocence just bringing back up. And there's there's a line here that's actually cut out of the – that was cut out of the scene. And Buffy says – it was safe in reference to safe sex. And she says, it's not that. It's that the whole time I kept thinking, hey, look at me with someone who is an angel. Look how much I'm not hung up on angel anymore. Look how this is not all about angel. God, how come I didn't see it? Like if this is her recognizing that all of this was because she was trying to prove to herself that I she so was I so wish him. they kept that in. Oh. So Jane Espenson said on the season four bonus features, she said that originally like she wanted to keep that in and she wishes that line had been kept in because she felt like the fan outcry against Buffy, quote unquote, disrespecting her relationship with Angel when she slept with Parker would have been much less if people understood that she's not doing it because she's fully over Angel. She's doing it because she's trying to get over mm-hmm. Angel. And she says, but I think it's a very strong line that should not have been cut. It shows that Buffy didn't just fall for Parker's manipulation. She tried to move on from Angel, which is very fitting, I admit. When I watched it the first time, I fell for his bullshit, but I think it was the writer's intention. At first, I thought, well, he's no Angel, but he's okay, I guess. And then they exposed his ass, and I feel like Buffy in the next episodes especially tries to prove that he's the same guy she tried to force herself to move on to. Well, and then she goes on and is like, Parker said it was okay to make mistakes. It was so sweet. And then Willow's like, no, it wasn't. He was saying that so you would take a chance and sleep with him. Good on for Willow for for like mm-hmm. voicing that. I feel like that you need a friend who's like, no. It's important to see Willow standing by Buffy's side. I love that she's like, he's poophead. He's repulsive. He Like she's saying these things and I'm like, yes, finally. Someone needs to say that because Buffy is not willing, I think, to go to that point at this at this time because she's still blaming herself. Well, then Buffy like questions like, like, am I repulsive? It wasn't me that turned him off. Like, you know, all these things. But it's like, obviously that isn't the case. Like if people are only wanting one thing, like they'll convince themselves that of whatever that it is that they're doing that's nasty, that it's okay. And like, I feel like that's the only way they can get through life is to lie to themselves, you know, and to make yeah. it that everyone else is the problem. Um, and so Buffy kind of says that she like wants to walk by herself. And then we see the Buffy sad walk, the Anya sad walk, and the Harmony sad walk. All of them walking alone, not even realizing that everybody else is having <laughs> issues too. So right by each other You're too. Like, I know. I know. You know, wonder Buffy's like, she sees Harmony. She's like, oh, I'll deal with that later. I know. She's <laughs> like, I don't really care right now. Man, that's a rough episode, but also like some really, really good stuff that I feel like the show handled fairly well and I'm happy with it. And also makes me excited for what's coming up later on. I think it's just interesting to see them taking characters in a way that I wouldn't have expected that they would in seasons two or three. It's definitely different, but I like that they're not afraid to go outside the box, you know? All right, guys, that was a harsh light of day. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Please let us know your thoughts on it. I know a lot of people have thoughts and feelings and opinions about Parker in particular. What are your guys' thoughts on Harmony and Spike, Anya and Xander? 
I would be very curious to know, especially if you're one of those that thinks that Xander did Anya wrong in this episode, I would be really interested to know your thoughts on that. But as always, guys, you can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Tumblr, Becoming Buffy Podcast. You can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out our episode next week with Investigating Angel for the Angel crossover episode in the dark. That'll be really good and really interesting how it ties into this one as well. So, all right, guys, have a great next couple of weeks and we will see you in two weeks. 